Matthew chapter 13. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 13. And we've been preaching on end-time parables. Amen. And last, um, last few weeks, we preached on why parables. We talked about the sower, uh, the seed and the ground parable, the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price last Sunday. What's left is the parable of the scribe, the dragnet, the tares and the wheat, the leaven, and the mustard seed. And so we're going to be looking at the tares and the wheat today, and beginning with verse 24, and then we're going to jump from verse 30 to verse 36, and just let the Lord speak to our hearts. Another parable Jesus put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not we sow good seed, or did not you sow good seed into the field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn." Verse 36, then Jesus said unto the multitude, or sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares in the, in the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth good seed in this is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of his Father, who hath ear to hear, let him hear. I want to talk to you about end-time parables. You may be seated. I am always amazed at the parables that Jesus Christ gave. As I said in the beginning, the preaching about the parable is a story alongside of a truth. And every parable that Jesus Christ ever gave you could write a volume of book, a whole volume of books on. You could make a movie about it. Every parable is just packed full of great truth. It is amazing how much the Bible says in just a few sentences. It is amazing how rich the Bible is and how incredible the Bible is. Amen. There's two B's to the Bible with me, believing it and behaving it. The behaving it's the worst part. The believing it's pretty easy. But, be, but behaving it sometimes can become a burden. But thank God, it's a good burden. 
and it's a, a blessing from the Lord. I know that we are approaching, I believe, the end time harvest. I believe it won't be long that Jesus Christ will come and he will catch his bride away and then there will be great tribulation upon the earth and there will be those that will be brought into the kingdom of God just by the skin of their teeth, just in the nick of time. Sage from the fire, amen. The tares and the wheat are amazing. And what's amazing about these disciples, all the time Jesus was giving them a parable, those disciples are going, mm-hmm, yeah, got that, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, got that, understand that. But the minute they get Jesus by himself, they say, would you explain that to us? We didn't understand what you're saying. And there's people that come to church all the time going, yep, amen, yep, yep, amen. And you don't, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You, you got to know the author. You got to know Jesus Christ. Amen. You got to know the Son of God. This is the only book you have to know the author in, in order to understand it. And he has to sit beside you and say, see there, this is what it said. The unction from the Holy One, the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us. And so these parables in chapter 13 are many of them, they, well, they are end time parables and I want to talk to you about, well, I guess you could call it eschatology. You say, well, what is eschatology? It's a study of death, of judgment, of end times. We're looking at the parable of the tares and the wheat. And if you'll notice as we read these that Jesus Christ is the one that sowed good seed in the earth. Amen. How many know God has put good things in the earth? And, and we find in the parable of the sower where some seed fell on the wayside and some stony ground, some thorny ground, some good ground. Jesus plants a seed in us. But now he takes us that have been born again and thriving with the Spirit of God and he plants us in the world. Because the field is the world. How many know there's a lot of room in the world for bad guys and good guys. I want to be a good guy. I want to be one bulging with the presence of God. I want to be one that's encouraging and, and believes God because there's enough bad guys out there wearing black hats everywhere. Amen. I want to be the guy with the white hat. And if you've got a black hat, I feel sorry for you. Dye it white or something. Amen. But anyway, uh, we're looking at the the tares and the wheat. And, and one thing about the tares and the wheat, when the servants discovered that someone had came in and filled the field with tares. Now, tares, it's like what they call darnel. They called it actually the bearded darnel. It's a plant. It's a weird, weird plant that looks a lot like wheat. And you recognize it because... You can't recognize the difference until it begin, the wheat's bow their head. The wheat, when it's ripe, when it has its grain, when the ear is full of corn, it bows its head. But the tear. Amen? And God's people know how to bow their head. And the world knows how to raise their head. In defiance to God and in bad attitudes toward the things that God would bring our way. I am grateful for the fact that when those servants went to the, the, the sower of the field, and the field is the world, the seed is 
the good, good grain. Jesus Christ putting good grain in the field. At night, while men slept, an enemy came, which is the devil, and planted tares in with the wheat. Now, tares look just like wheat, so you can't tell them apart, and they'll begin to mingle their roots with the, with the wheat. The tares will mingle their roots along with the wheat. And the servants go to the man, the man of the field, uh, in our case, Jesus Christ, Hey, hey, uh, can we pull them up? We'll just pull them up. We'll just pull them up. And Jesus Christ said, no, 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 no. Let the wheat and the tares grow together. And we'll wait till it's all ripe. And then we'll sever the tares from the wheat. We'll gather the wheat into the barn. And we'll gather the, ta- the tares in bundles to be burned. Now, if you're having difficulty with evil men around you or difficulty with maybe people that don't always measure up in church, remember that's just part of it. They'll be the real and they'll be the phony, not only at work but also in church. They'll be the real and they'll be, they'll be the wheat and they'll be the tares. And so Jesus Christ says, well, we'll harvest, the angels will come and they'll take the the, the darnel, the, the tares out, bundle them up to be burned, but the wheat will be gathered in the barn. Pardon me while I shout. Woo, glory to God. Because you put crops in the barn to get it away from the storm. You put crops in the barn to preserve it for future use. You put crops in the barn to keep it from being uh, water-soaked or, or rotten or uh, eaten by predators. And thank God I've been put in the good old gospel barn. I'm protected from the storms. I'm protected from the, 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 the evil of this world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Amen. And I'm so grateful for the fact. Well, let me put it like this. A fake, a fake tear will end up being in a fire. Fake tears will end up being in the fire. The fate of a tear, the, the fate of the fake will be fire. And I'm thankful for the fact that we can rejoice in the fact that God knows our heart. And he knows whether we're real or whether we're not. And he knows whether we're hurting and he knows what we're going through because he's an awesome God. Amen. I remember when I was younger. Did you know, I I love tomatoes. Anybody love fresh ripe tomatoes? I love fresh ripe tomatoes. Amen. I I like to be the tomato bandit, sneak into the garden and give me a salt shaker. And man, I go for it. Amen. There has not been a more hostile gopher in the world than me in a tomato patch. And, And when I was younger, we would raise our own seed and, you know, we raise our own plants. And what a lot of people don't understand is there's about 80 different kinds of weeds that will, will mimic a tomato plant when they're young. They'll look like a tomato plant, but they're not. When they're little, they look like a tomato plant, but they're not. And I remember one time when I first got married to Judy and we were going to seed our own tomatoes, and, and I, put, I put me a little 
flower pot out there. Who wants to put flowers in a flower pot? Put tomatoes in a flower pot. And I put me some tomatoes in that flower pot, tomato seeds, and during the night while Judy slept, an enemy came and put tears in my flower pot. Because lo and behold, they started coming up everywhere. And I thought, boy, them are good-looking tomato plants. I've watered them. I've fertilized them. I babied them. I took care of them. I even went to the place where they got a little big. I took them out into the garden. And I put them in a nice straight row. I put a little stake beside them, and I nurtured them little deals. And they grew up, and when they grew up, and they grew up, I ended up with stinkweeds. <laughs> Amen? When I tell people that they are young sprout, don't think too highly of that because young sprouts turn out being big stinkers sometimes. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing to know that our God knows how to handle even when trouble comes. You can't just go out and pull up the tares without destroying the wheat. We're not here to judge one another. We're here to nurture, encourage one another. We're not here to beat each other up. We're here to love Jesus Christ. You say, but I don't approve of what they're doing. Well, let God decide. God says when he comes, he'll take everything away from his kingdom that offends. And they'll gather that which is right within the barns. Amen. I grew the nicest melon patch one year. I mean, I went all out. I grew my melons in heels. Anybody had done that? Put their melons, the garden in heels. And, and I put heels and, and I put cantaloupes and melons. And, and I, I probably made a quarter of an acre field of just melons. Man, them burgers come out. They were as big as Jerry's head. <laughs> They're as big as my head. They come out, they were awesome melons, but they weren't quite ripe yet. But in that melon patch were weeds growing up. And I knew, to know, I knew not to go in there and pull them weeds. I knew ne never do that. But my dad always said, if you step on one of them, you'll kill the vine. And so we were very careful, and I was getting ready to harvest, I don't know, three or four hundred melons. And I left for the weekend and while I was gone, one of my relatives decided that they would help me out. They got in the melon patch. They walked over every vine. They pulled out the weeds. And when I got home, I was mad. Amen? I was mad. I mean, the trial of my faith was not precious. Now, Jesus has given us similitude to this or something quite like this. He said, you can't just trample over people because you think they're not what they ought to be. You need to let everything grow together for someday the Lord will come and he will take that which offends the kingdom and he will bring them into his barns. He will take care of those that are his and he knows them that are his. Amen? I'm glad the Lord knows that I'm His. Amen? That's not left up to you to decide. That's left up to the Lord to decide. And, I know, and I'm glad that I am His. I, I'm glad that the, the truth is that the angels will come and, 
and they will sever. Now, we need to understand there, there's some little thoughts here I want to bring out. Verse 41, and they shall gather out of his kingdom the things that offend. Now, understand me. There's coming a time when God will remove those things that offend his kingdom. There's coming a time, and those things that are not right will be bundled up. Angels will come, gather them up, and they, be, they will be gathered to tears, and they'll be gathered to burn. But I love the truth about this because it's an awesome thing. God knows how to sever the wheat from the tares. When someone dies and they know Jesus Christ, boom, this world's not their home. They just pass through. Amen? When, when someone, their body falls asleep, they just step over into the other side. And the tares just keep going around their heads held high, going like this. But we are humbled at the foot of Jesus Christ. Not only in death does God know how to sever his wheat from the tares, but he knows how to do it when the rapture takes place. He's going to catch us up, amen? And those folks that are too glued to the ground are not going. Those that are entangled with this world, they're not going. But when Jesus Christ comes, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever, so shall we ever, ever, and ever, and ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. But he's also, not only can he sever us from the world through death, through rapture, but if you miss the rapture, he can also sever the tribulation saints from the tares. When the angels come at the end of the tribulation and they gather the tares, bundle them up to burn them, but the righteous will be brought in to the presence of God. Isn't that beautiful? God knows how to keep you and I. And, and, and he, I'm glad he's my keeper. I'm glad he's my savior. I'm, gra I'm glad he's my Lord. Amen. I'm glad he's, he's mine. Hallelujah. Praise God for the blessings of the Lord. Um, I want us to look just for a minute at the, at the mustard seed. The mustard seed becomes a tree. A lot of people like, like to mistake the mustard seed for faith, and this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a plant here. And, and verse 31, it says, and another parable put forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, to grain, like grain in a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of the seeds, that's the least of the seeds in that territory, in that area, but when it is grown, it the greatest among herbs, because a tree so that it gets so big so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, mustard seeds. This mustard seed grows up and becomes a tree. Mustard, mustard plants are not supposed to become trees. They are herbs. They are a bush. But Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God is like mustard seed being planted, and it grows and becomes a tree. And in that tree, 
the birds of the air lodge in that tree. Now we know by the scriptures that the birds here is a picture of evil. The fowls of the air. It's mentioned in verse 4 and verse 19 of Matthew 13. Jesus said, the wicked when the fowls come and devour the seed. And then in Revelation 18 verse 2, it talks about Babylon, the greatest fallen. And it also tells us that the birds are evil. Verse 2, and he cried, the angel did, with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold or the cage of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean, hateful bird. Amen? I ate one of them hateful birds this, this last couple of days. But they had every right to be mad at me. Birds in the Bible are pictured as evil. Only one bird in the Bible is not pictured as evil, and that's the dove. Did you know the dove doesn't have a gallstone? No bitterness in the dove at all. The other birds do. And the fowls of the air in the Scriptures are declared as evil. The fowls of the air devour the seed that falls on the wayside, and here in this mustard tree that grew big, the birds lodged in the branches thereof. And it is a picture, I believe with all my heart, it is a picture of a great unscriptural religious system pictured in this passage of Scripture. An unscriptural religious system. The church has grown so big that the birds are starting to run the organizations. Now, let me point out something. The emphasis today has been changed from seed sowing and seed planting to tree growing. The emphasis has been changed from the church from seed planting and seed growing to church growing or to tree growing. Not seed sowing, not seed planting. Now we become more concerned with the growth of our facility than we do with the growth of those who come in humility before Christ. Jesus Christ said it is to be like an herb, small seed, sowing of the seed, planting the seed, getting that seed out there. And so many times in churches they lose their way you know, it's we got to be careful as a church that we don't lose our way and stop planting the seed and stop sowing the seed and start trying to grow a tree. My Bible says that we plant, you know, Paul said, I plant, Paul is watered, but God gives the increase. My Bible tells me my job is to plant the seed. My job is to water the seed. My job is not to grow the tree. And the religious movements of this world today are trying to grow the tree instead of having God be the nourishment in their lives. God never intended for you to live off the things of the world. He intended you to live off the life power of Jesus Christ. The mustard seed was to be small and a condiment 
mustard. You can't live on mustard, but it sure makes a hot dog taste good. Amen? You can't, you can't live on mustard, but it'll make you survive Spam Sandwich. Hello? Amen? I mean, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. I'm getting quite hungry right now. Then there's the parable of the leaven. Now, I make no apology. The, the, the parable of the, of the mustard seed growing into a tree is not a picture of the gospel taking over the world. It's a picture of big mainstream denominational man-made religious machines taking over the world. And dirty birds are running many of them organizations. Amen. Just as the tares are in the world, but we're not of the world, we're wheat. Just as in this world, there's all kinds of bad people, but we have God in our life. And God says, okay, I'm going to let you live with the tares. And one day I'll remove you from the tares and I'll bring you home. And I'll get you into the barn where there's no storms, where there's no heartache, where there's no pain, where there's no suffering. Because God is allowing the tares to mingle with the wheat just in case some of them tares might receive a miracle from God and be turned from a tear into wheat. Amen. Then there's 11. The leaven. My wife made some homemade bread here the other day. Well, I say the other day. It's been about a year ago. <laughs> well, now, in that, she makes homemade bread on a regular basis, but I'm giving you what happened in this particular time. Don't be laughing at me. <laughs> and so Judy put some leaven in her bread. She knew it needed it in. Got it all ready. She said, now, James, I'm going to be gone for a while. I got to run to the store. She said, don't let that bread rise too high. She said, if you'll watch it, and if it gets to rising too high, pinch it a little bit. And so it raised a little high, and I pinched it. It went, went back down in the bowl. Well, I got busy and forgot about it. And Judy was shopping and forgot about it. And that stuff erupted like a volcano. And then went up out of the dish, down on the table, down onto the floor. I said, my God, leaven's evil. The only way to stop the leaven is to put it in the fire of God. Leaven is a picture not of good here, but of evil. Leaven is a picture of evil. Did you know what I, do you understand what I'm saying? In all cases, leaven, I wrote it down here, leaven is mentioned 89 times in the Bible, leaven is mentioned. 89 times. And all 89 times, it is a symbol of evil. Leaven leavens the whole lump. Leaven, unleavened, a bread for the angels that Abraham 
fed the angels in Genesis 19, verse 3, was unleavened bread. The Passover was unleavened bread in Exodus 12, verse 8 and 15. The sacrifices was always accompanied with unleavened bread, Leviticus 2, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said of leaven of the Pharisees, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Matthew 16, verse 6 to 12. Christians are to be unleavened, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and 8, and the feast was to be a feast of unleavened bread. Leaven is a picture of corruption. I do love leaven homemade bread. But there's a fermentation that takes place that causes the bread to rise. And Jesus has given us a picture here that in the end time, there will be people, not just women, men, doctors, professors, theology professors, that will need and hide the leaven inside the gospel bread. And they will knead it and hide it in the bread until eventually the bread just swells and the whole thing is leavened. They hide it in the dough. And hiding it in the dough, it's hid away. And Jesus says it's going to be like that in the end time. That people will hide false doctrine. They might say good things, but they'll hide bad things in the... In the gospel, they'll mix it up until no one really knows what to think until you get a good church that preaches verse by verse through the Bible and tells folks, living is bad except in biscuits. Amen. You don't hide bad stuff in the bread. Amen. And so we understand that there's going to be a reaction to the leaven when it's hidden in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it's not by accident that in the scripture, leaven is always pictured as evil. Now, we usually keep our baptistry full of water. We haven't lately because of a little leak in the drain part, but we used to always keep our baptistry full of water. And because we never knew when someone needed to be, you know, repent and get a good gospel baptism. And so we filled it up. I got it all fixed up. I didn't know that they sold soap in bleach. I didn't know that. I thought, I mean, my wife does all that. And I went and got me a gallon of bleach, and I didn't read the label. It said there was soap in it. Well, I put a cup of bleach in the baptistry. I came back the next day. And there was soap all the way above those stained glass windows. Suds everywhere. Because the circulator was moving. And it just shone. And I went through that maze of soap suds, and you're, and you're not clean till you're zestfully clean. 
I mean, it was everywhere. That's kind of the picture we have with leaven in the bread. You got to watch what it's doing. And the only thing that will stop that leaven from rising is to put it in the heat of the oven. Are you listening to me? And how many know the church needs a good blast of heat from the oven? Churches everywhere need a big blast of heat from, from the oven to stop the leaven. I'm told that these, these, these uh, three measures of meal or what is it, two measures? I'm going to look and see, see. I want to get my facts straight. Um, three measures. That's about 60 pounds of flour. Now that's a cake. Woo! Amen. And so she hides it in it. And please, you ladies, don't get disgruntled with me, but most, a lot of these cults like Christian Science and, and uh, Seventh-day Adventist, Mary Baker Eddy and all those, those are women founders. I don't mean a man can't hide some leaven in the bread. It just means that men were not commonly known as the cooks around the house. I'm not. My wife says I can cook. I'm not going to tell her that I can or I can't. I refrain from saying a word. She thinks I'm a good cook, and I'm going to let her think that. But I'm not going to prove to her anything. But I'll get stuck with the job. Amen? Judy and I had seven babies, seven children. And I have never changed a diaper. Never. Yeah. Never changed a diaper. I told Judy, Judy said, I want to have a baby. I said, fine. I'm not changing no diapers. I said, we're going to make a covenant. We're going to make a deal. Judy, no diaper changing from me. She said, you're on. I said, I'm going to make you hold to that word. And I've never changed a diaper. Never have. Because I don't have a stomach for it. Like that, it's nasty. The closest I ever came to it, well, a couple of times I came to it. They had the, the grocery store down there, by the, uh, down there in the middle of town. And I, the baby had filled, you know, it was full. Fill her up. And it was stinking bad. And I walked by the meat aisle, but it wasn't the meat. And a woman said to me, oh, what cute baby you have there. I said, thank you, ma'am. It is a cute baby. I said, would you do me a favor? She said, what would that be? I said, would you change its diaper? She said, why, sure, I'd be glad to. And she laid that baby in a shopping cart, and I had never seen such mess in my entire life. She washed that baby up, cleaned that baby up, put a diaper on that baby, and these were the old-fashioned diapers. She pinned it on. She handed me the baby like this. I took the baby. I said, thank you, ma'am. You have been so good to me. 
One time, Judy said I had to be gone. She went somewhere, I remember where it was, and the baby did business again. And this time, it was leaking out of the diaper. And I resorted to drastic measures because I was getting close to having to change a diaper. So I filled the bathtub up halfway full of water, nice and warm, and I set that baby down in the middle of that bathtub. And that baby just played and had a good time. Judy showed up and said, what are you doing? I said, the baby is nasty. <laughs> well, why didn't you change his diaper? I said, I ain't breaking my covenant with you. And I'm surprised the bath water drained. Judy said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm not ashamed of myself. Now, for those of you that do change diapers, that's good. I'm okay with that. God bless you. Maybe you'll have a bigger crown than I. Amen. I'm thankful for the fact that you take care and help your wife. But there's other areas of endearment and helpment that I can do for my wife without endangering my nostrils. <laughs> Amen. We're going to get serious in a minute. I mean, we really are. Thank you, Bobby. I love you, Bobby. What a great man of God you are. Amen. Uh, and he is. He's a wonderful man. Enjoyed the great preaching he did in the tent revival. These are end time parables. One of the end time parables is, is found in Chapter 13, verse 47 through 50, it's the dragnet, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew it to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels and, and, and took the bad, but, the, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. And the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. These are end time parables that I'm talking about. The world is not getting better. The world is getting worse. And the fate of the fake will be the lake of fire. It is getting much harder to live for Jesus Christ. But nothing like it's going to be if you miss the rapture of the church. I preached about that Wednesday night, what to do immediately after the rapture if you miss it. And here, the dragnet, this is a fishnet. There's three ways they fished in. One was a hook and line. There was a personal net that they would throw out and pull it to shore. 
And the other was a dragnet. They would stretch it from ship to ship and drag across big bodies of water. And that's the net that Jesus is talking about here. So the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. As you drag it across the waters, you bring in of every kind, every kind of fish, big fish, little fish, game fish, non-game fish, trash, whatever. It just brings everything in, and it's brought to shore. All the fish are brought to shore. And the good fish are sorted out, and the bad fish are gathered for judgment. And Jesus Christ is sharing that. I love the fish. There are some fish that you don't want to catch. Amen? How many fish in this room ever went fishing? Well, some of you need to go with, go with Josh. He'll show you how to fish if you've never fished. But... They have in our river streams in Missouri what they call squeakers. Squeakers. A little old slick squeaking catfish. You catch it. And they're awful. And if you try to get them off the hook, they usually swallow it down below their Adam's apple if they've got an Adam's apple. And they're hung up. And that's not the kind of fish you want to catch. You want to catch them big fish that, whoom, they go across to the other side of the river and make your drag squeal with delight and catch big fish. And then there's them little chubhead minnows. I call them squeaky fish. Let me know what about a chubhead minnow is. Josh knows. Them old chubhead minnows, they don't get very big, but they... They make a lot of noise. And since my wonderful son Ben is here, I have a story about Ben. You will come back Christmas, won't you? Well, anyway, Ben got one of them squeaking little chub heads, and he thought what it would be like just to squeeze it. And he squeezed it. And off popped its head. Did someone say Ben? Well, it's going to be worse for those squeakers on Judgment Day. It's going to be worse for the fish that are not game fish, that are not real fish. In the end time, the net will be drawn together and only the real will be saved and gathered. We need to understand that this is a very sobering part of the parables. Jesus Christ is trying to show us in these parables. Now, we talked about the parable of the pearl of great price and the, and the treasure in the field and how I shared the treasure as Israel hid in a field now being discovered and later redeemed in the future the nation of Israel, and then we talked about the pearl of great price being the church. But here, the, the parables that I shared with you, they are parables about end time. And you know, you might think you're getting away with living a life for the world, but one day, harvest will come. You might think you're getting away with 
not living for God. You might think you're getting away with not selling out to God. You might think you're getting away with, with putting God off and living your life and going after the things of pleasure and the things that you might, you might think you're getting your way by leaving God out of your life, but it will catch up with you. The dragnet will grab you and you will be brought to the shores of judgment. The angels will come and gather you in bundles and you will be gathered to burn because faith, those that, uh, that are fake will be gathered into the fire of the judgment of God. And, and you mark it down. If you grow up beside a child of God and you're not real, I guarantee you in the future, God will reveal what you are and you'll find yourself lost without hope and without God. And churches are not doing the people of God any favors by growing trees instead of planting seed and sowing seed. Too many churches are all caught up in growing the tree and not sowing the seed. And what I'm doing this morning is I'm sowing the seed. And the seed that I'm sowing you is simply this. God's going to let, it, let you do your thing. God's going to let you grow up among the wheat. God's going to let you do what you want to do. You, God's going to let you sin if you want to sin. God's going to let you live the life you want to live. But one day you'll answer to God. And you may choose to live it in a bar room. You may choose to live it in a church room. You may choose to live it at home. You may choose to live it uh, uh, traveling abroad. You may choose to live a life of sin without God in pleasure and things, in work, in church, outside of church, in the world. But sooner or later, the angels, the reapers will come. They will gather you. You will stand before God. God will judge you. And what our job is, is to bow our head and become the real wheat of God to bow our head and be real with God and be honest with God and serve God and love God and have a transformation in our life to know that we are not just putting on a show at church. We're not just putting on a show among the family. We're just putting on a show. We've got the real life of Jesus Christ in our heart. We cannot pretend we've got to have it to go to heaven. Amen. It'll catch up with you. Death will come. Rapture will come. The reapers will come. God's going to let you grow among the wheat. And sometimes I get aggravated. Sometimes I look at the world and I say, man, this is, you know, this is bad. You know, I don't quite understand why there's so much evil everywhere I turn. But that's just God giving people another chance. There's God giving people another chance to turn from their sin. There's God, and, and so we're, we're suffering the brunt of hardship and the brunt of storm, but it's because God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, that all would come to repentance. So, so we're stuck down here on planet Earth, but we're not of planet Earth. We're of heaven. We're in the world, but not of the world. And we're stuck with evil all around us. And we're stuck with uh, injustice all around us. We're stuck with people that are not serious about God all around us. Woe be unto us if we're one of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to be a true Christian. I don't want to just say I am. I want to be a real Christian. I don't want to pretend. I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. It's not something I got through a handshake. It's something I got through an earthquake of the heart. Did you hear me? It's not something I got through a handshake. Something I got through an earthquake of the heart. God convicted me. God drawed me. God brought me into the presence of God. And I don't want to be pampered by someone like I pampered those, those plants that were not not really real tomato plants. I don't want anyone to pamper me. I want to know that when this life is over, I'll stand on the shores of the sea of glass and I'll embrace my Savior and I'll know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. You know, the beautiful thing about it is the parable of the tares and the wheat, the tares were growing. They were growing. They were not growing in a good way, but they were growing. But hallelujah, the wheat was growing too. And let that evil person grow high. Let that Wickedness grow high. Let them hold their heads up high. And I'll bow my head down low as the wheat gets riper and riper. And I'll bow at the feet of Jesus Christ on that glorious day while the world tries to save themselves or a world tries to live in their own indulgence or a world tries to exit and, and reject God Almighty. I'll bow my heavy heart. I'll bow my vexed soul. I'll bow, I'll bow my heavy load. I'll bow under the weight of this world at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, my God, I want to be wheat. I want to be brought into your barn away from the storms, away from the decay, away from the rot. I want to be gathered into your house. In my Father's house are many mansions. Amen. I'm told that that new city, Jerusalem, can house 90 billion people. From the looks of things, there's going to be a lot of room. I'm told that the one who did the math says that each one will have almost an acre to live in. We're not talking about a skyscraper. We're talking about a city scraper. It scrapes beyond the moon. We're talking about a city that hovers over the earth. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. I do. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He's coming. And while he's coming, the wheat grows. While he's coming, the wheat grows. 
See, it isn't just an army of wicked. It's an army of godly, Holy Ghost-filled saints of the Lord. It isn't just a world full of wickedness. It's a world full of God-believing, God-fearing, God-loving, Jesus Christ-serving saints of God. Don't ever get it in your head that it's just you. There's a, there's a multitude of us that are wheat, and, and God's going to have a big, massive harvest, and, and I'm going to be among that harvest. Amen? I'm going to be among that harvest. And just bow in the presence of the Lord. So my question to you today, and this is kind of a hard question, are you wheat or are you a tear? Are you a bird lodging in a branch of an ecclesiastical monstrosity made by man? Or are you enjoying the condiments of Jesus, the mustard, the herbs, to make the gospel of Jesus Christ so superb? Amen? You know, a good cook knows how to use the Spices. A good cook knows how to use the herbs to make a really good steak. In fact, a good cook can make zucchini taste good <laughs> with the herbs and the spices. I want you to know Jesus brings a suburb meal before us, and all he asks you to do is reach over for the salt shaker every now and then because salt is good. Don't lose your savor. And let God speak to your heart. Someone said, will there be golfing in heaven? Well, if that takes that to make you happy, yes, there will. But I got an idea that's not going to take that to make you happy. Will there be fishing in heaven? Well, if that takes that to make you happy, yeah, there'll be fishing. But I got an idea that you're not going to be that thrilled about fishing. Amen? So get all the fishing done now. Josh's going to come and bring a song. And what we're going to do, we're going to have the Lord's Supper in just a little bit. But while he brings a song, I want to invite you, examine your mind, examine your heart. Ask yourself today, am I trying to grow a tree? Or am I letting God's seed in his word grow in me? Ask yourself, am, am I cumbered with trying to grow something big in my life? Or am I willing to bow before the only thing that's big in our lives, and that's Jesus Christ? I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I a true wheat? Am I real? Am I a child of God? Am I a saint of God? Or am I, am I good fish? Am I good wheat? Is there leaven in my life? Is there corruption in my life? Am I saved? My question today is, are you saved? Have you been changed from a tear? Have you learned to bow your head instead of hold it high? Have you learned to bow your head as wheat is ripe 
and trying to raise your head saying, I am myself made man. It question, are you saved? You say, well, I've been coming to church here for years. I didn't ask you that. So I, I've gone to church all my life. I'm not asking you that. You say, well, preacher, I pray. I, 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 you know, Islamic people pray. Buddhist people pray. Saul prayed before he was saved. And then after he got saved, God says to Ananias, behold, now he prays. I'm not asking you if you're religious. I'm asking you today, are you real? Are you real? Because one day the net will come in. One day the sickle will come. One day death will come. One day rapture will come. One day harvest will come. And will you be what's good that can be gathered into the barn? Question, are you wheat? Are you good? Has God made you good? Or are you just going through the motions? My desire for you today, if you're unsure, you say, well, preacher, I don't believe preachers ought to make people doubt their salvation. Rather you do that than split hell wide open. Rather you do that than split hell wide open. I'm not trying to get you to flood the altars. I'm just trying to get you to flood the presence of Jesus and say, Jesus, I really want to be real wheat. I really want to be a real child of God because judgment is coming and I want to be right with Him. Would you come stand with me? Would you come stand with me?